Logical Progression, Year 3, Lesson 9. Okay, then, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Allahumma salli wa sallim, Baraka manabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla la majad wa sahla wa antajul huzna itashat sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala zikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadlik, Yerun Karim, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Righty ho then, so we were in the middle of talking about the camels, yes? Um, so the invalidators of wudu, we are on number eight according to our list. As we said, Shaykh Huthaymin himself, he didn't consider, he didn't consider this to be a, uh, well, he considered it to be seven, but it doesn't matter what the actual wording is. Anyway, uh, so eating camel meat, and we said that وَأَكْلُ min خَاسَةً مِنَ الْجَزُورِ Here, the Arab, the 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 Arabic here indicates that the Hamli Madhab specifically is indicating. That we're talking about the camel only, and we're talking about the meat only. So specifically the meat from a camel, and not from anything else. So the first part of this discussion, and what's interesting of course, is that this is another from another issue from the Mufradat of Imam Ahmed. It is unique to the Hanbali Madhab, um, and the Hanbalis stick to this very strongly, very proudly. And I will save you the time and tell you that. The, this is also the position of Shaykh Uthameen alayhi rahmatullah and it is also the position of Shaykh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shanqiti alayhi rahmatullah and it's the position of a number of contemporary scholars as well and this is one of those classic differences and it's very interesting to see the discussion that occurs during uh, the khilaf of this and we're going to look at that in a bit of detail okay why the rest of the schools all consider this to be something which is abrogated. I'm summarizing the whole thing for you in one minute. The other schools consider the ruling to eat camel meat, uh, sorry, that eating camel meat obligates wudu, uh, they see that to be abrogated. And basically, the, 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 the Hanbalis and other scholars, they consider it no, and they're going to establish it. So I've just kind of given the game away for the class, but that's okay, because our class is full of, of detailed uh, fit discussion and looking at the hadith and some interesting principles as well. Really useful principles uh, to understand the fiqh of Ahl al-Hadith as well. Um, so I want you to know um, that the first part of the discussion is what? The first part of the discussion was to establish actually what is meat. And we had a little chat about you know, intestines and liver and this and that and whatever. And um, Sheikh Uthameen says, let's start that discussion. And he says, are these to be included or not? And those people who said that they are to be included, their first idea was that um, these kind of things, they actually uh, are considered. He's actually giving the opinion, he's defending the position of those who did say that it's meat. Uh, everything is meat. They said firstly that according to many people in the urf, in the, in the custom of the people, it is considered to be, um, it is not considered to be part of your meat, when you, as, as we just said, you ask for the kidney separate, you ask for the heart separate. It's not like meat. When you say meat, you don't think of that immediately. Um, but anyway, Sheikh basically says that no, there's no difference between, no difference between offal, the offcuts, and the other issues of the internals, such as brain, such as intestines, such as, uh, I don't know, kidney, all the kind of crazy stuff inside. He goes, they're all the same. They all take the same ruling. What are his evidences? He goes, he mentions a number of them. He goes, the first evidence is that that the word laham in the sharia, it covers all portions, all presentations, all aspects 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Ma'idah says, حُرِّمَتُ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةُ وَالْدَمُ وَلَحْمُ الْخِنْزِيرِ Allah says that what has been made haram for you is dead meat and that which has been sacrificed other than yani, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and اللحم الخنزير meaning pork pork لحم الخنزير لحم خنزير the meat of the pig literally translated what does that comprise of? are we allowed to do eat for example pig skin? Why do, you, why do you shake your head? why is there an immediate shaking of the head when skin is clearly not meat? You're saying because it's najis? It's a good response, yeah. He says, He says, Sheikh Uthameen says, the word meat of the pig, <laughs> he goes, it includes everything contained by that skin. Everything. Every bone, every dish. Every... Now you see the problem is because we're all packs, yeah. There's not even a microsecond of hesitation to accept that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You mention anything about a piggy anywhere on the other side of the room, yeah, within seconds. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're talking anything to do with a pig. Yeah? Now, that, I want to say to you, is an emotional reaction. It's a good reaction, alhamdulillah. It, fit the, it hit the fitra. It shows that even Pakistan hit the fitra sometimes, yeah, you know what I'm saying, yeah? But I'm saying that it's not a rational response we should be able to look at it rationally and you know properly and that's when you see the converts kind of you know they're able to hold it down because they've had it before they don't see it as that much kind of sickness they probably think about it a bit more whatever i'm not praising their position but i'm praising their dispassionate way of being able to look at the issue without emotion that's what i'm praising anyway so what do we have here now um shekhar he says everything which is encompassed by that skin in fact even a skin <laughs> he goes, is haram. So he goes, if therefore we're going to make every single thing, every part of the pig haram, and only we've been told that it's the meat of the pig which is haram, therefore, he goes, therefore, the same for every, every other animal, everything in part, in, as part of that animal comes under meat, laham, everything inside. We have good evidence, to be honest, like that. Okay? Um, the second point it goes is that um, in the inside a camel, you have actually many different part, parts of the camel, pieces of the camel meat, which are very similar to one another. And if there was to be some issue with some parts and not issues with other parts, some are very similar, some are very different. If there was going to be any differentiation going on, the Prophet would have differentiated it. Because there's actually difference, a significant difference between them. And he didn't, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He goes, uh, again, another point in the sharia of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, we do not find any of the animals in terms of their meat being split up. This is halal, this is haram, this is pure, this is not pure, this is positive, this, is, this has benefits, this has negatives. Um, and therefore, the inside of the camel, in terms of for eating purposes, is all the same. He goes the also that the text itself, the text itself, does not yani uh, indicate in any single way 
that there is a difference. The text doesn't indicate anything. And I think that's good enough. And he also said, and he also said that, um, he makes another point which is more, he goes, listen, he goes, if according to the scholars you ate some camel meat and you did not make wudu and you prayed salah, then according to those scholars who follow this opinion, your wudu, your prayer is invalidated. As for the, uh, if you were to pray without making wudu, with without making wudu on some of the items, like other than the the lahm, other than the pure meat, whatever, then because we are in doubt about the original issue, we'll be doubting the ruling upon the prayer as well, and therefore we are bringing the doubt in ourselves. Therefore. We should, as the Prophet ﷺ said, leave uh, those Whoever avoids the shubahat, the doubtful matters, then he has protected his religion and his honor. And also the Prophet ﷺ said, leave that which makes you doubt for that which does not make you doubt. Leave that which makes you doubt for that which does not make you doubt. Therefore, you should consider it to be all one thing and make wudu from all of it. Okay? So, also he makes an interesting point. Shaykh Al-Thameen says that the Prophet Sallallahu as narrated by Imam Ahmed with a good chain on the authority of Usaid ibn Hudayr that the Prophet Sallallahu said make wudu from the milk of camels. Meaning, once you drink camel milk then make wudu. Make wudu. Now, this hadith, okay, there's a long discussion here. And uh, you know how what he's going to use this for? He's basically going to say, as he does say, he goes that if the sunnah indicates that the milk itself is uh, 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 also uh, made wudu for, then he goes, these are not yani. Then he goes, if the milk is being made wudu for, then how can you say that the meat and whatever surrounding it is not going to be made uh, 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 wudu for? He goes, that's even more obvious. He goes, he goes, absolutely. So he goes, therefore. He goes, وَعَلَى هَذَا يُكُونَ الصَّحِيحِ أَنَّ أَكْلُ لَحْمِ الْإِبْلِ نَاقِضٌ لِوَضُوءٌ مُطْلَقًا He goes, that all types of meat, any type of aspect of the internal muscles or this or that, that is eaten from a camel, it obligates wudu. All types. Okay, those are his evidences. Just I want to just have a quick uh, 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 discussion with you about the actual hadith that he mentions. This hadith, okay, this hadith, it's okay, sorry, this hadith is... Um, uh, uh, as I said, narrated by Imam Ahmed and Ibn Majah in the chapter of purification, and by Imam Tabarani as well, um, uh, on the via the via Abdurrahman ibn Abi Layla on the authority of Usaid, of Usaid ibn Hudayr. Imam al Busiri he said that this chain is weak because of the presence of Hajjaj ibn Arta and his tadlis, and others they differed over him and so on and so forth. Okay, um, and Imam al Nawawi. Uh, narrated uh, him to be from the weak narrators. Okay, um, the muhaqqiq, the one who is talking about this actual, uh, the one who's checking this hadith, he's going to defend this hadith. What does he say? He goes, I, I, in my opinion, though, if we take this hadith, all right, to the hadith of Bara bin Azib, and we see, then we will actually see that um, this hadith is authentic because of the different wordings of it. And Ibn Taymiyyah, he said that the chain of this hadith 
is good. And this hadith has a number of supporting evidences. The hadith of Ibn Amr, that's narrated by Ibn Majad, Zakalakhir, and um, and we have a few other people as well. Anyway, he tries to make a defense of this hadith. And Allahu A'lam, perhaps there is some something uh, in this. Um, I personally hold this hadith to be weak. I personally hold this hadith to be weak. And I'm going to read some other stuff to you as well. That's, 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 the, that's the decide. Now, Sheikh then continues. He goes, the text says, Al-Jazur, camels. He didn't say Al-Ba'ir, cattle. So, therefore, everything other than... Uh, he goes, therefore, everything other than cows and so on and so forth, you know, everything like cows and, and everything else is not included. So we're talking all forms of camel. Alright? All forms of camel. The next thing he goes is Min al-Jazur from the camel would indicate that it doesn't matter if it's a lot or a little. So a little also obligates wudu and a lot also obligates wudu. La farqa bayn al-qaleel wal kathir. Also, no difference between al-matbukh wal ni Yani raw and cooked. All of it's included. He goes, it doesn't matter whether the camel is like a baby camel, nice and fresh, or very old. It doesn't uh, matter whether it's sacrifice, sacrificed, sacrificed uh, a camel or not. Um, and so on and so forth. Okay? Sheikh Uthameen goes, what is the basis actually for this obligation of wudu? What, are, what is the actual basis? He goes, number one. The hadith narrated by Jabir ibn Samura radiallahu anhu that a man came to the Prophet sallallahu and asked him do we need to make wudu after we eat camel meat? The Prophet sallallahu said yes, na'am. Do we make wudu after eating camel meat? The Prophet sallallahu said na'am. Uh, yes, make wudu after you eat camel meat. The same man said, He said that, should we make wudu from luhum al-ghanam? Lamb. Okay? Eating lamb and so on. Other types of meat. Okay? Um, the Prophet said, In shi'ta fatawadda, when shi'ta falatatawadda. If you want to, make wudu. If you don't want to, make wudu. This hadith has been narrated by Imam Muslim. Hadith which is absolutely authentic, of course, in the chapter of Kitab al-Hayyad, in the book of menstruation. Chapter, a title, Making Wudu After Eating Kamami. Hadith number 360. What's the, the wajhu dalala? What's the indicating evidence from this hadith? Because the hadith... The, the hadith is just an indicator. Oh, well, it's just, it's, just, it's, a, it's a hadith. What's the indicating hadith here? The Prophet ﷺ, he made it very clear that wudu was in the uh, the decision of the person when it came to the ghanam. But when it came to camels, there is no option there. It was an obligation. Okay? لا فيه ولا اختيار وأن الوضوء منه واجب. There was no option that was given. He doesn't have any choice. Wudu is obligatory when it comes to a camel. Second evidence. Hadith al-Bara'a. 
the hadith of Bara bin Azim. He said, Tawadda'u min al ibal. He goes, to the people make wudu after you eat camel meat. Make wudu after you eat camel meat. Now, the Prophet ﷺ in this, in this actual hadith has made a very general open statement. This hadith, by the way, has been narrated by, in footnote 2, narrated by Imam Abu Dawood in a chapter of purification. The chapter of making wudu after you eat camel meat, hadith number 184. It's also been narrated by Imam Tirmidhi, again in the book of purification, and also by Ibn Majah, again in the book of purification, and all of these, and by Ibn, Khuz, Ibn Khuzayma as well, all of these hadith on the authority of Bara Ibn Azim. Ibn Khuzayma, Ibn Khuzayma, Rahimullah, he said, Lam ara khilafan, khilafan, hadith, anna hadha al khabar sahihun min jihat al naql li adalat naqli. وصححه أيضا أحمد بن حنبل وإسحاق بن راهوي والنووي وابن تيمية وغيرهم ابن خزيمة says I do not see any difference from the scholars of hadith that this narration is authentic because of the narrators therein so there's no reason to doubt this it was also this narration was also considered authentic by Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal and Ishaq ibn Rahwe and Imam al-Nawawi and Imam Ibn Taymiyyah and others as well. And you can see these uh, different narrations by Ibn Hajar and everyone in their books. The book of Talkhis al-Habir is Ibn Hajar's. Sharh al-Umda is the commentary to al-Umda al-Fiqh by Ibn Taymiyyah and al-Khulasa. I don't know who the author of that book is, but that is uh, another reference. Okay, this hadith of Bara, where he says, make wudu from the eating of camel meat. He goes that what we know in Arabic is that when tawadda'u is a command. Tawadda'u is a command. Therefore, one has to actually uh, see it as a obligation. And Imam Ahmed and Ishaq ibn Rahway, he says, فيه حديثان صحيحان عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم حديث البراء وحديث جابر من سمورة. So it is because of these two hadith that two of the major imams of Sunnah to the major Imams, Imam Ahmad of course, and Imam Ishaq ibn Rahway, what did they both say? They said that this issue, this issue of uh, eating camel meat, it has two clear, uh, sorry, eating camel meat, making wudu after eating camel meat has two clear authentic narrations, can't be doubted, can't be seen in any other way. Okay, job done as far as, it, as Sheikh Uthameen is, is, is concerned. The second position on this issue, Al-Qawl al-Thani, is that that the wudu is not broken by eating camel meat. This is the majority of scholars. What did they base their position on? They based their position upon, number one, the hadith of Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhuma. May Allah be pleased with Jabir and his father. Uh, who said, كَانَ آخِرُ أَمَرَيْنَ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Okay, that from the uh, 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 the last of the two things that came from the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the having to do wudu for that which has been touched by the fire. I repeat, the last of the two final things the last or the second or the last or whatever of the two final things that we got or the two final commands that we got 
or the two pieces of information that we got from the Prophet ﷺ was that not having to make wudu after eating something which had been touched by the fire, i.e. cooked meat. So basically the understanding is, is that during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ and so on, the Prophet ﷺ had said that when you have cooked meat, you need to make wudu. After you eat cooked meat, you have to make wudu. And here the idea is that basically now it's not something which is obligatory anymore. We do not have to actually make wudu. So the Shaykh of Thameen says the understanding then for those scholars from this hadith he goes, so what are those scholars saying? Those scholars are saying that basically, if we say that which has touched the fire, then that's of course going to include camel meat. And if it's the final thing that came from the Prophet, then what does that mean? Well, it's obligatory in the Sharia to, to take from the final command of the Prophet. In Sharia, of course, it's not possible yeah, to have two commands, the first one and the late one, and you stick to the first one when there's the last one, you're saying something different. So this is basically, and so therefore, according to these scholars, this would be abrogating the first command. This is the first argument of those scholars, the majority. Their second argument is the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-wudu' mimma kharaj la mimma dakhal. That wudu is only made for that which comes out, not for what goes in. Wudu is for that which goes out, not for that which comes in. This narration, okay, let me just quickly do uh, uh, cut something because I, uh, I forgot to do the, the, the first hadith Jabir that we mentioned. Let's talk a little bit about its, its authenticity. So this has been narrated as I translated it by Imam Abu Dawood in the chapter of pur- or purification, in the chapter, uh, in the book or chapter of leaving wudu, uh, not having to make wudu for that which has been touched by the fire. Um, that's been narrated by Imam Nasa'i as well and by Imam Ibn Hibban as well. And uh, when Ibn Hibban narrated it, Hadith number one thousand one hundred and thirty-four, he narrated it on the authority of Shu'aib ibn Abi Hamza on the authority of Muhammad uh, ibn al-Munkadir on the authority of Jabir and that's the chain of this hadith some students will enjoy this okay he says ibn Khud, uh, and the muhaqqiq says that in this we can see that there are two hidden faults two hidden faults in this hadith the first of them that this narration that you see is the is a summarized version of the of a longer hadith that the Prophet وسلم, he made wudu, then he ate some bread, and then he ate some meat. Then he prayed and he did not make wudu. Okay? Tarkal wudu was the fight remember remember let's go back to the text so that we remind ourselves of what we're talking about okay just in case you're lost okay Jabir said that the prophet he said that the from the final matters of the prophet was that we did not have to make wudu 
we do not now have to make wudu if we eat cooked meat. Okay? This, as I said, was part of a longer narration. What's that narration basically saying? That the Prophet ﷺ, he made wudu, then he ate some meats and he ate some bread and he prayed he didn't make any wudu. That's basically, that's basically what happened. That's, that's what happened and Jabir then took that yani, understanding from that. Abu Hatim al-Razi, of course one of the imams of, the, of hadith, he says, هذا حديث مضطرب المتن إنما هو أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أكل كتفا ولم يتوضأ كذا رواه الثقات عن ابن المنكدر عن جابر ويحتمل أن يكون شعيب حدثه به من حفظه فوهم فيه and so on. يعني, يعني that this, this text has some kind of problem because the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he ate the كتف from the shoulder and he did not make wudu. He made some, and he goes, this has been narrated in other ways more authentically. What he's trying to show is that the text of the full hadith has some kind of doubt in it. That's what Abu Hatim al-Razi is trying to show. Imam al-Shafi'i is saying something even further. He said muqtarib, yeah? Yeah, muqtarib. means that you have two equal narrations of equal strength contradicting each other. Correct. He is showing that basically other narrations that have been narrated by authentic narrators are sh- are sh- are, uh, show something to the contrary in terms of what happened, in terms of was it meat and bread and this and that. So now we have different narrations mentioning what's going on, which are contradicting basically the original each other. Yeah. Each other. And so now we give a ruling that this is now not such a not hadith to be relied upon completely. So not, a, not a text, sorry, to be relied upon completely. Fine. So which one, uh, I, I, I thought maybe then both of the narrations are dismissed then? So, but the point, it doesn't matter whether both are dismissed. First response, it doesn't matter whether both are dismissed or not. The idea and the, the intention of the muhaddith is to prove that the text has doubt in it. That's the first thing. Yeah. Secondly, Ahl-Sunnah will never dismiss a text. So they will now use it to create a new position by combining all possibilities, as you're going to see. Imam al-Shafi'i, he said that Ibn Munkadir, he didn't even hear this hadith from Jabir. He didn't even hear this hadith from Jabir. In actual fact, he heard it from someone else called Abdullah ibn Muhammad ibn Aqil. Okay? And uh, this Abdullah, uh, his ruling upon him in terms of the books of, of Rijal, the ruling upon him is that his suduq fi hadithihi lean. He is trustworthy and he has some problems, but there are some, you know, there are some issues in his hadith. Um, and they used to say that he used to forget things when he started to get older. All right, he started to change a few opinions. And and then and there are and Imam Al Bukhari he narrates a hadith on the authority of Jabir. He goes, but having said that, there is some indication that that when Jabir was asked, do we need to make wudu if we eat the cooked meat? He said no. So what you've just seen there is each party trying to make this hadith weak or unreliable upon and both have some kind of position. It's, not, it's difficult to be able to dismiss outright the authenticity of that first hadith. As for the second narration, as for the second narration, which is the one where I said that you make wudu for that which comes out, not what goes in. This has been narrated by Imam Adar al-Qutni and by hadith number 
555 and also by Imam Al-Bayhaqi. And this hadith was considered to be weak by, I think, virtually everyone. And specifically here, it was considered to be weak by Imam Al-Bayhaqi himself and Ibn Hajar Al-Asqalani. He considered this hadith to be weak. Now, Sheikh Uthameen, he says, let me respond to these two points. Let me respond to these two to these two to these two evidences. He goes firstly, the hadith of Jabir. Now I know this is a very technical class today because and it is rare that Sheikh Uthameen goes into such technical detail. It's rare. But this is obviously one of those famous differences of opinion. He wants to show as much detail as possible. Why is it that the scholars differ over? And because he's in a minority here, he's going to defend his position with vigor. Alright? He's going to defend his position with vigor. It's an important point to clarify as well. We don't eat much camel, but sometimes we do. Anyone had camel here? Had camel? Yeah? Not all that, is it? Heavy? Dry? It's not soft, nothing. It's not nice. Chaz had it? You boys never had it? No? You kids have it? Never. You had it, Chaz? Uh, easy. I've had it a few times, you know. Yeah. Huh? You have to try it. No, it's nothing in it. Honestly, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to, you know. You didn't realize what you didn't realize, yeah, you just told afterwards. Yeah, that's actually sometimes, uh, if it's cooked really, really well, then you, you might pass off as beef. It would never pass off as lamb, for example. During the Hajj, they were just giving it out, yeah? On the day of Arafah. How about that, man? You broke your wudu, your whole Arafah is cancelled, bro. You need to make Hajj again. <laughs> I didn't eat it. <laughs> no, no, I didn't eat it. I didn't eat it. I didn't eat it. Only my dad ate it. <laughs> Tell your dad, yeah, that he needs to go make wudu again, and he needs to make Hajj again. Is it a condition to have wudu to stand on Arafah? Don't shout out, you. Shout out, ruining jokes, Sarah. It's now, you made it obligatory to have wudu to make dua. No, no, just for you, Shaz, just for you. <laughs> just for you. Anyway, okay, so Sheikh Uthameen, he goes, um, how are we going to respond to these two points? He says, the first response will be to the hadith of Jabir. He says, Jabir said that the final two things that came from the Prophet ﷺ was that we didn't have to make wudu after we eat cooked meat. He goes, well, actually, first of all, this actually doesn't even contradict the hadith of having to make wudu from the uh, from eating camel meat. It doesn't actually refute it. There's no contradiction. He goes, regardless, I mean, forget about saying that it abrogates it. And why would you go and say it abrogates it? Okay? He goes, this hadith is general. It's a very general hadith. Masat that which has touched the fire. Okay? Um... He goes that basically, and he goes that we have, we have, uh, the point is, is that this is very important. Listen carefully from a fiqh point of view. He goes, you have one hadith which is specific and one hadith which is general. Okay? Now put your fiqh caps on and your rationale button, turn it on. When you, the scholar has a number of tools at his disposal to try and work out a ruling. Those tools are to be used when you start having some difficulties in trying to come to a conclusion. 
these tools are not all there. It's like there's a surgeon and he has like tools and he only needs a scalpel to make an incision. But because he has a nice shiny drill and because he has a nice this, that, whatever, he goes, you know what? I'm going to use those as well. Do you know what I mean? Because they're there. It's stupidity, isn't it? He's just going to use a scalpel and get the job done. Same piano from fiqh. That you only use certain tools if it's absolutely necessary. The most dangerous tool in the box, or not most, one of the most, okay, dangerous tools in the faqih's toolbox is the abrogator card. Let's pull out the abrogator card. Oh, that's abrogated. Or that's abrogating. Or whatever. That's a weak... Just even use your aql. That's a weak kind of game to play. Someone throws you two hadith, Oh, that first one's cancelled out by the second one because that one came later. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. That's weak. And it's dangerous because if it's not, then you're suddenly just cancel the hadith of the Prophet. And so, as we said a hundred times in this class before, and we will keep saying, that you always need to combine hadith. Always combine hadith as much as possible. First of all, where do you start off with? First of all, we've got to see whether it's even acceptable as an evidence. So, is the hadith sahih or not? But once we've said the hadith is suhih, it's authentic, both evidences are authentic, then we move to the next stage. Are there, is there any way we can combine, reconcile the hadith? Only at the very end, when we can't reconcile, we can't do this, we can't do that, then okay, we'll consider then making one an abrogator and the other one being abrogated. Does that make sense? He goes, now, think about this. If you're going to reconcile hadith, the kind of hadith that you want to be able to reconcile are those which are different in their nature. He goes, look at these two hadith. One is general, one is specific. When you have a general hadith and a specific hadith, you're setting yourself up for an easy reconciliation. You'll say that, like for example, this is a general rule, but this is a specific exception. Do you know what I mean? So you don't need to then counsel the first one, don't need to counsel the second one, job done. That's the lesson that you've learned. Ahl sunnah always reconciling hadith, Never are they just throwing them away and so on and so forth. Because we have a great respect for hadith, even if they're not for us. Even if they don't support our position, we're not going to just throw them away and say that it's not acceptable. Okay? And that's why you say, that's why he says, وَلَا يُقَالُوا بِالنَّسَخْ مَعَ إِمْكَانِ الْجَمْعَ لِأَنَّ النَّسَخْ مَعَ إِمْكَانِ الْجَمْعَ إِبْطَالِ لِأَحَدَ الدَّلِيلَيْنِ مَعَ عَنَّهُ لَيْسَ بِبَاطِلِ no one should ever go to abrogation when there's a possibility of reconciliation because abrogation, whilst the possibility of reconciliation exists, will lead to the, inv- to lead to the cancellation of a hadith when it's not even false. When it's not even false, which is a major issue. He goes, okay, then how can we now understand this? He goes, Jabir, when he made his statement that we don't now... He goes that, that what basically, what, what, is, what is Jabir trying to say? He's trying to say that if you eat cooked meat, you don't have to make wudu. That's what he's saying. فَإِنَّ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ قَدْ كَانَ أَمَرَ بِالْوُضُوءِ مِمَّا مَسَتِ النَّرِ وَصَحَّ عَنْهُ الْأَمْرِ بِذَلِكَ Okay, so the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he would make an order and told the people to make wudu when they had eaten camel meat. Suddenly, when Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
Jabir had heard that hadith. The companions knew that hadith. That we have to make wudu after we eat camel meat. Suddenly they saw the Prophet ﷺ, Jabir saw the Prophet ﷺ, eat the meat and then go and pray. When he saw that, so late in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, he made his statement. From the, from the most final things that we saw from the Messenger of Allah ﷺ, is that you don't need to make wudu after you eat camel meat. So he saw something. He, therefore we learn a lesson. That if the Prophet ﷺ says you can't do something, or you must do something, and then he himself does the opposite to that, then that's a proof that one. We'll come to that in a second. First of all, what does it, uh, what does it indicate? If, yeah, to, of what to what? It's an option. It is now recommended. Or it's not obligatory. That's the lesson. It's not obligatory. Laysa lil wujub. He goes also. He goes also. Some other scholars they made a new principle which has no basis, and unfortunately he goes Sheikh Uthameen. He goes Imam Shokani from the modern day scholars also led that way. Okay. He goes that if the Prophet commands to a certain action and then does the opposite then the action is specific to him. He goes, and therefore the rest of the nation continue to do the action in a, or the, the ruling applies to them basically as it, used, as it was. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what Mama Shukani says. Sheikh Uthameen, he goes, this is weak. This is unacceptable. He goes, he goes, because the Prophet ﷺ, his sunnah, it encompasses his statements and his actions. If his actions contradict his statements, you need to go against his statement. There's two different, there's a variation. And there is a possibility of reconciling between them. Then there's no issue. You can't, you, 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 you have to do both. It's not possible for you to actually consider one to be, you know, in one to be cancelled and the other one, whatever. No. So basically, what is Sheikh Uthameen trying to explain about the hadith of Jabir? He's basically saying that regardless of yani, what Jabir saw, which is that we don't need to make wudu from cooked meat, the exception is for camel. Does that make sense? Have you understood that? He's saying that the hadith still applies to the camel because it's a specific hadith. Jabir said that in general, cooked meat, we don't need to make wudu from. Fine. But you still need to for camel because the camel hadith is specific. And that's the, his response to the first one. The second one, he goes, Hadith ibn Abbas is weak. There's nothing even to consider here. in sahha mawqufan faqad khulif. He goes, that is, yani, uh, so he goes, in conclusion, you now can see why it is considered weak for those people that Consider the hadith, yeah, and he basically says that those who now say you don't need to make wudu after eating camel, he goes, their position is weak. Their position is weak. And therefore, all the ahadith, he goes, the ahadith which talk about making wudu after eating camel meat, they remain as they are. And therefore, 
If that's the case, then it's obligatory to act by them. It's obligatory to act by them. Okay? So, that's a pretty, you know, he's pre a pretty vociferous kind of, uh, oh, vociferous, what word is, but anyway. Yeah, and he's pretty strong on that. Okay then, so, uh, that's his position. That's the humbly position, Sheikh Othimin's position, and you've seen that that's actually the position of a number of scholars. It's the class position as well. It's the class position as well, that after Kamal meet, one should make wudu. One should make wudu. Um, it's the class position. Sheikh then continues, what about drinking milk? He goes, it is recommended to actually make wudu after you drink camel's meat, uh, uh, drink camel's milk. After you drink camel's milk. It is not obligatory. It is recommended. For a number of reasons. The first is that there are a number of authentic and al ahadith al kathira as sahiha wariditun fil wudu min lahum al ibal wal hadith fil wudu min albaniha isnadu hasan wa ba'dha ba'dhum da'afahu that there are a number of ahadith which talk about the uh, making of wudu after eating camel meat and also after drinking camel milk some of them are weak but some of them are good chains okay second evidence the what was narrated by imam by uh, by anas ibn malik that and this is the this is a long hadith which you can ch uh, check out yourself. It's narrated by Imam Al Bukhari. I don't have the full hadith here, so I'm not going to try and uh, summarize it for you. But I'll tell you where it is. Okay, the hadith is narrated by Imam Al Bukhari in the chapter of Wudu in the in the book of or chapter heading chapter the. Um, urine of camels and beasts, riding beasts and cattle and lambs or whatever animal cattle and their uh, and their pens or whatever. That's a really terrible translation. That was a disaster. I know. Let me try again. Just read the hadith number, man. Okay, yeah, okay. The hadith number is 233, and it's narrated by, and it's also, so that's in the chapter of Wudu. We'll put it in the thingy, we'll put it in the, the comment section, you can have a look at it, okay? And then the hadith narrated, and it's also narrated by Imam Muslim as well. But in SubhanAllah, it is narrated by Imam Muslim in a much more uh, thingy uh, hadith, in the chapter of the terrorists, basically. Chapter of terrorists, Al Muharibin. And it's straight out. And it goes there, of course. When you see the full hadith, of course, it's a very long and very detailed hadith because of obviously what happened and what the criminals they did. Okay? Um, the chapter title, The Ruling Upon Terrorists and Apostates. From the hadith of Anas ibn Malik. Okay? Anyway, the point is, is that the Prophet, in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he did not command the companions to make wudu from their drinking of the milk. Okay? Did not obligate it. So therefore that indicates that it is something recommended only. Next question he asks, another mas'ala. What about from the salah? <laughs> the shurba, yani. Stew. If you have camel stew, 
camel broth. Give me what I know, yeah? Camel broth. Camel stew. Camel gravy. <laughs> bit of gravy. Salt, bit of camel gravy. Uh, camel curry, whatever. I don't know, whatever. Camel soup. Yeah? What do you think? What's your thing? Marak. In Arabic, it's called marak. Okay? Marak. You think you'd have to? Does it depend on the proportion of the stew and the that's, I think that's what the issue is about. What actually is the nature of that? The madhab says it's not obligatory. So they do differentiate between the ruling. They do differentiate it. Even, even if there is the taste of meat in it. Because he's not actually eating the meat. There is. That's why Sheikh Uthameen says he goes that there are, but for the, but for the others in the Hanbali Madhab, they said, yes, it does. You must, you must make the wudu. Because, again, you can imagine what example is going to be given. What example is going to be given? Pig. <laughs> so, you know, let's be honest, yeah. If we have a bit of pig stew, yeah, we're not going to have exactly a cue there, you know what I'm saying, yeah? Would you agree with that? AZ's face answers everything. That guy's like. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't care if a pig, if our Percy the pig has just popped his little, cute little trotters in there, okay? Like that, yeah. That thing is diseased forever. Okay? I don't care if it's cold or hot or cooked or not or what or what. Okay? But that's the, the same the same argument is the is is in place. What? That basically <laughs> once it's touched it, it's touched it. Khalas yani. Eh, Shaz? Oof. So so you go to the sandwich shop and they use and they, and they see that and then you and you just buy the sandwich and put it on the side and you think Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You go away. We like sandwich. It's okay, I'm not hungry today. No, I didn't. No, I don't mind. Oh, I'm generous today. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my dad, did I ever tell you? I'm sure I must have talked about this in year one or two or something. I don't know. My dad is so hardcore. This doesn't even apply to the pig, it applies to anyone and anything. <laughs> yeah, I did talk about it. We talked about it in utensils, in utensils by the Hindus, yeah? Next day, neighbor, like Miskeen. What was her name? God, Ashi, Asha, or something like that. Miskeen as she was, man. I've been back 30 years. She used to make us any Indian sweets, yeah? She was vegetarian, Miskeen. I mean, what the heck, yeah? You know what I'm saying? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> she was vegetarian. Dad, she doesn't have any beer at home. No, she's Hindu. <laughs> It's getting late, yeah? Finish. Not finished, yeah? Only 40. Only 40. Easy, Tiger. It's only 47 minutes. Only 47 minutes. No, inshallah, look, let's just finish this, right? So, um, he says. What did he say? Right. He goes from the other from the other position, the Hamli Madhab, 
the taste is there. He goes, if we had a pig, yeah, then we would we would say that that marak is haram. We would absolutely, ma, we certainly would. Okay. And he goes, this is a very strong point. He goes, obviously it's safer to make wudu. Anyway, he goes, next question. He goes, what's the actual wisdom then? Why is it that yani, we've come down upon camels, upon everything else? He goes, well, the first is the wisdom is that it's the command of the Prophet Sallallahu And of course, that's the stock answer that we always need to have. And the Prophet Sallallahu everything which comes after it, yeah, everything which comes from him in rulings, they have that is the actual wisdom. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and it is not for the believing it's not for the believing slave or the believing believing man or believing woman that after the message after Allah and His Messenger decide a matter that they should have any kind of choice in the issue. Uh, the, any choice. That they don't have a choice in the matter. Surah Al-Hazab verse 36. And Aisha radiallahu anha, and he just mentions basically that, uh, you know, that once the issue is done, it's done. Well, let me, let me, let me explain it. Aisha radiallahu anha was once asked, why is it that the menstruating woman, she makes up the fasting, but she doesn't make up the prayer? The prayer? Uh, answer? So you, actually, actually, you can see that the, whoever's asking Aisha is obviously asking for some kind of wisdom, isn't it? Why is it that when we're menstruating, after menstruation, we've got to make up the fasts, but we don't need to make up the prayer? So what did Aisha say? She said, that used to happen to us as well, by the way, yani menstruation, at the time of the Messenger of Allah and he would tell us to make up the fasting, and he did not tell us to make up the prayer. <laughs> what a response, man. That's like, you know, that's quality. So, you know, that's it. That's what we would be told. Um, and anyway, we, and obviously Shaykh Al-Tamini explains that obviously we believe that something which is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has its own intrinsic wisdom, wisdom and so on, or reason. Then he, then, he, then he goes, as he normally does, kind of saying, well, it's also possible to argue a few some wisdoms, as some scholars say. And then he, to, to basically, he basically says that it has a major effect upon the, the muscles and like uh, the body. So, he mentions a reference to Imam uh, Ibn Qayyim in I'lam al-Muwaqeen, verse, uh, chapter 3, well, chapter 1, page 395. Uh, they said that, uh, they said that some doctors, when people have some issues with their muscles, um, and their tendons and their nerves, Nerves and so on. Nerves actually, that they shouldn't be eating camel meat. And he goes that uh, when you make wudu, then it calms the muscles down and nerves down and the body down, and it makes it cool, just like we do when one gets angry, when someone gets angry. Actually, and and I tell you, um, and it's interesting because this is nice. Uh, the the muhakkik he actually gives a reference to the issue of anger. You know when someone makes wudu when they're angry, and I've told you about this before. Uh, narrated by Imam Ahmed this hadith, and narrated by Imam Abu Dawood, what you should say when you get angry, um, and 
ولي اليمن basically بدنا بس به ولا هو شاهد basically من حديث معاذ بن ابي سفيان بن سعد والحديث يحتاج بشيخ حسن بن تيميه هنا this is interesting a hadith is not even quoted here right شيخ الثامين didn't even mention a hadith this is an interesting point for for those students of knowledge and those who like to look into the issues of شيخ الثامين okay um, and you know those who are critics <laughs> I like this Sheikh Uthameen, the only word that he said, he goes that, and you know that the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered the people or advised the people to make wudu when they're angry. That's all he said. He didn't mention a hadith. Straight away, the muhaqqiq wants to now establish the hadith, but not, he doesn't go into too much detail of what's about the hadith. He's launching a defense of the hadith immediately, which tells you what? What does it indicate? That is disputed. A number of scholars and consider the hadith to be weak. Uh, I, I, I follow that opinion myself personally. Okay, and then he mentions a number of people, a number of defenses defending some of the narrators in the hadith. Hadith students will like what's stated there in chapter in that in that footnote number two. For example, Ibn Kathir he said any person who was used by Umar ibn Abdul Aziz he is considered trustworthy in hadith. That's a massive statement, by the way. Really interesting. Really, really interesting. Um, and, and and other points anyway. And even Hajar gave some you know, some statements as well here and there. And the point is, and then he ends the statement right. At the end he goes anyway. Whatever happens, Ibn Taymiyyah he used to rule by this hadith, which isn't exactly in evidence, but yeah, you know, it's nice to show. Leave, get away from Sheikh Uthameen. Don't criticize him for stating this hadith. Yes, we know you consider it to be weak. It's like speaking to me, like you know. I mean, when I'm reading this and I'm thinking, that about that, it's like boom straight away. Listen, don't be hitting the hadith. Even saying you should buy this hadith, blah blah blah. So that's good. That's nice. Um, it, it, it shows the difference of opinion on that narration. So that's that's basically the position. I think that's really interesting. The class position is that as well. It's a interesting one for you all. If you take by the class position, there is difference of opinion. The majority of the scholars certainly do. Um, they certainly do follow that it is something which is uh, not obligatory. They consider it to be abrogated. Absolutely, yani consider it to be abrogated. And so for them, um, it's, not, it's not a discussion. It's not a discussion. I'll tell you something else, nice, nice hadith to end with, okay? Um, فَمَضْمَضُوا مِنَ الْلَبَنِ فَإِنَّ لَهُ دَسَمًا You should make sure that you rinse your mouth after drinking milk. Because it has a lot of fat in it. This is just a, I just wanted to quote that hadith because um, when you drink milk, there is no obligation to make wudu. It's just sufficient to be able to wash your mouth and that will cover the... Um, the, 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 the ruling concerning it. So what do we summarize then? We summarize next week we will do the um, we'll do the hadith uh, we'll do, what's, what's the hadith? The two remaining principles couple of principles actually everything which yani, obligates for thought yeah and uh, we'll, we'll talk about the next week inshallah. Hmm? 
Camel urine. Camel urine has no ruling with respect to wudu. There is no obligation to make wudu after drinking camel urine. I think you just yeah, you just dive into a bath chlorine though. That probably would help. Astaghfirullah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't say that mocking the sunnah in any way. I'm just saying that because it's there and it's a medicine and we believe in it. But sometimes when you take some medicine, you do some crazy bits of behavior. Sometimes the spoonful of sugar works. Yeah? Because it helps the medicine go down. <laughs> the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Or other times, you might need to go into chlorine. <laughs> Watch everything. But ablution is, is not thinking. Shazad is saying that his computer is about to conk out. So we're going to stop this lesson right here because we didn't bring the charger. Uh, unfortunately, and the whole system will, will lose the entire video if we don't close. So, alhamdulillah, that's a, a yeah, still, it's a 56 minute lesson. We're complaining a lot. Jazakumullah khair. Inshallah, see you guys next week. Subhanakallah. Alhamdulillah. 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 Alhamdulillah.